Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You can tell our friends and they can have my things when we're dead. Boys, 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 I mean, the debates were wild, whatever, kind of what you'd expect. But the thing to me, you know, my takeaway, and there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of hot takes coming at you. You know, you're everyone on your Facebook's going to have a hot take. So I'm not going to talk about this all episode or anything like that. I'm not trying to be the debate recap guy. But the one thing I will say is my biggest takeaway was watching that debate with my eyes and then waking up and seeing the articles written about that also with the same two eyes. They were not the same thing. Nothing that was written was representing what actually happened. The, the media is so full of shit. I woke up to like Trump owned Biden and then fucking other articles were like f- f- Trump makes clown of himself. Biden comes out on top and you go, what, what debates were you watching where this was like debating in the presidential debates is essentially like sports where no one no one wins. And then at the end, you just get to pick you watch your you watch your two teams, you know, the two the two hockey teams play and then everyone leaves or walks away being like, yes, we won. Winners, we're the champions. Every everyone's a winner. The old participation trophy thing. It's it was nuts. It's like you can't trust these people. It almost made me more mad. I watched them being like, I don't know, that was a lot. And then you wake up. I was reading the articles. I go, there's not a single news publication that just tells you what actually happened. It's like here's where he was good. Here's where he's bad. It's like the whole media apparatus is just like one big party. It's like you there's It's basically you can decipher. It however you feel like. I, I have an idea for a sketch. It's a new app, and what happens is you can you can decide what news you'd like to. You know, everyone can watch, and they say maybe Biden won, maybe Trump won, maybe these facts were right, maybe these facts are right because it was both them flip flopping and lying to each other all night. And you can pick which one of those list of things you like, and then we'll curate articles. You know, you already have the right opinions. Why don't the news, we'll, just, we'll curate, why go to five different sites when we can just pick a bunch of articles that you already agree with telling you that you're right? Because that's exactly what happened. You look on the internet after, and it was two different worlds. I was watching with my chick. I'm watching the thing. You know, there's like parts where you're like, that was good, parts where that bad. And you turn it on, turn on the thing afterwards, and it almost made me more be like, you know what? Fucking Trump rules. Because these people are such fucking liars. And I'm going to tell you what I think was funny about it and analyze a few things. First things first, they, they, they deal with it like it's a, a UFC match. And they go, you know, it's, it's essentially like in the red trunks, Donald. Tr-. And then on top of that, they talk about it. it. The people's guys are there in the room on the, the streaming platform. And they're telling them the plan. Like, you know, Biden's going to look in the camera and talk to the people. That's what he wants to do. And it's like he kept doing this lame move where, he goes, you know, the, the comic sitting on the chair. You know, let's get real for a second. And then they're like, Biden plans on, st- you know, trying to not to engage and just talking to the people. And uh, Trump wants to avoid talking about the things that he's wrong about. And they're just like, okay, so they're all full of shit. We all, we all agree with that. And you're like saying, you know, their, their strategist is there saying like, yeah, he wants to stay away from this one where he's totally full of shit. 
And then on top of that, I'm seeing people go, you know, can Trump be president or is Donald Trump just a troll? And you go, he is the president. They're treating it like he's auditioning to be the president. He's currently the president. Now, from the start, it felt like an internet comment section of two guys that played softball together, and now they're no longer friends. They're ruining their relationship in real time. It was an internet debate that you've seen on every Facebook comment section. Like, there, there was almost nothing that any of them said that you're like, yeah, that's what they would say. There, there was no new stuff added. There wasn't really any good speeches. It was just two guys in the internet comment section that you used to went to high school with, and you go, I guess they don't like each other anymore. Hey, I used to have respect for you, Frank. Oh, you're going to... I watched it after... And then I watched the exact same thing happen on the comment section. I saw my boy Dustin post some shit. And then, like, a guy post... Like, he posted whatever, uh, you know, he thought that Biden was being weird or something. And then the other guy goes, if you think that you're a fucking idiot. And then he was like, hey, you're the fucking idiot. And you've always... Hey, we've always been cordial together. It's like, I can't be cordial to someone that says, talks like that online. And it's like, he'll just ruining the relationships in real life. That That's what it seemed like. And politics has always been a bunch of bullshit. And that's why, for for once, you know, that's the thing about Donald Trump is he, like, at least exposes that. Because you see even with Biden up there and everyone else, they kind of say, oh, they're making a mockery of this. And, you know, Joe Biden kind of, you know, has this attitude of I'm a little bit going to take the high road. It's like, yeah, but then you're going to make a campaign ad tomorrow that's like this guy is a racist rapist or whatever the fuck you're going to go with. So it's like it's always been dirty. But then you kind of get to go on stage and pretend that, no, I am this nice guy. Well, the entire time you have a bunch of people digging up dirt you're putting coups behind the scene y'all have your respective deep states working for you it's a it's nonsense i think the worst thing that trump and i've been saying this forever because everyone you know all my friends and people disagree with me on this but people you know people go if if rogan d- did the debate and they did a three-hour thing with trump and biden um trump would annihilate Biden and make him look so stupid. And I've never agreed with that. And the reason is, is because Trump needs an audience. And I see the comedian's moves he's doing and the wrestling moves he's doing. And they work a lot better when you have people cheering or booing. He's a wrestling heel that's going on there being like, you're a piece of shit. This guy's a loser. And when you do that for three hours without anyone cheering or booing you, you just seem like a jerk. So, I, you know, it comes across as bully energy and people kind of don't like that. And that's what I thought. I thought I, I thought most of Trump's things, he kind of came across like a mean person and a bully, which he always does. But it, you need some type of underdog energy. Like, for example, if it was a bunch of people there, probably would have been more Democrats. They would have people been cheering. There would have been people booing. And then when he would get to be like, see, everyone's against me. And then all of a sudden it's like he becomes like the protagonist in this like this story where in this scenario, it was kind of like they were equal. If anything, Trump was higher because he's currently the president in this specific scenario. And in the absence of people screaming or booing, it came across a little bit mean. And I bet you that most girls would find that. I bet you like a lot of people in the center would find that, that he came across like a little bit of a jerk. And that was the reason he was a little too mean for how funny he was. You know, we were talking this on, on the podcast yesterday, but he didn't have any like, yeah, cause she'd be in jail or any big bangers. Like he had some funny comments and I'll go through with them and buy out a few things. But the truth was, He didn't have any huge bangers for how mean he was. Like his first thing when he came out and he was like, you don't talk about smart. You're not smart. And it was like, it wasn't funny. It was just kind of like, you're a dumb fucking idiot. Yeah, well, you're a dumb fucking idiot. You're the stupidest fucking idiot in the world, Joe. You're stupid. You ever say that to me again? And it was like, if that was funnier, it would have been a bit better. It's why comedy does bad now because they're so mad at Trump that they're they're like, Trump's an idiot, right? He has sex with a daughter. And you're like, you could probably maybe make that funny, even though it's a hack premise, but it can't, you can't be seething at the mouth while you say it. And that's like a huge part of comedy is not seeming like you're so fucking angry. Cause then show your hands. Like if anything, he could he, like the, the making the really funny pointed comment. Like even if he said like, Oh yeah, smart. It finished like lowest in his class. Like even that is so much more effective than be like, you never call me. Oh yeah. You think you're smart. I'm smart. And it just, I don't think that people respond to that the same way. I also think that Trump probably would have been better for being present enough because I think both of them had their things they want to say. You know, I'll talk about them in a second, but you see they had their, both their zingers, you know, the, I'm a, you know, 47, 47, uh, I've done more in 47 months than you've done in 47 years. 
And Joe Biden was like, you're the uniter in chief, more like the divider in chief. And then like, they, they were both like, you know, mic drop moments in their mind. When they were in their campaign, they were probably like, nailed it. You know, someone came in, they were working all night and they had to, they came in the office still with their nightcap on being like, we did it. We cracked the case. And I'm going to make a quick nightcap joke here because <laughs> I got to get off track because this is the funniest thing that's ever happened to me. So we have this ongoing joke with Danny Polshock. You guys know him. You hate him. Fat fuck. Danny jokes. He's in all my videos. And the joke was originally that his girlfriend once said that he was the best fuck she ever had. And we've never let him we've never let him live it down. It's always like anytime a girl's walking funny, we're like, Danny's back at it. You know, that's that's the general joke. And then me and Paul Thompson were made <laughs> we were killing ourselves saying that like because uh someone's talking about threesomes and we're saying imagine you had a threesome with Danny Polishuk. You you dodge a bullet if you get over an orgy with Danny Polishuk because that's just you on the bed. Like <laughs> Danny's fucking the two girls, you're on the bed, just and then, blah, 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 blah. and then you're just getting you're just getting shaken off the bed like like you're in an earthquake before you know it you're three rooms over you're doing cliffhanger on the bed trying to hang on while the girls are fucking and then you're just you're just all a threesome a, a orgy with Danny Polishuk is just you fielding the complaints for the neighbors your four neighbors coming in like night cares ca gowns in their pajamas we said no we said no conducting uh, construction at night and you're like I'm and I'm not construction and they go well, there's only second options, obviously, Danny Polishuk. And I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. He's covered in drywall. You're doing it. And then, uh, and then after the whole thing ends, the girl comes out and she's like, I've never had sex with, uh, I've never had sex with two men at the same time. And you were like, yeah, uh, I've been in the other room for 45 minutes. <laughs> so that's, that's what I, uh, the guy came up with the line, the nightcap. Nightcap got me on a rant. So that's what, they both had those big lines. And they both thought that, you know, they really wanted to get them out. That's what I was feeling. It was like every one of their points, they would almost move on to their points. It's whenever, whenever I feel like I'm in the zone better, even like podcasting or on someone else's, it's when I don't have like 10 specific things I need to say because then I actually am present making the point and like realizing what's wrong with my points. And, and I'm kind of like making the right moves. You're saying something funny. Sometimes you'll listen to something and, and someone else is talking and you're not even listening. So you miss like a good opportunity for a fucking banger where... You know, you call out shit. Like, Joe Biden kept doing his stupid thing where he was looking at the camera. Trump would say something, and then he would go, blah, 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 and he'd look at the camera, and he'd go, I'm talking to you, the American people, vote or whatever, right? And if Trump would, if Trump was, like, present, he would just be like, is he really going to keep doing this every time? It's like, okay, I can do that, too. Hi, American people. And then the next time he did it, it would feel stupid. Like, if he, because he did that five times, if the second time it got called out, he can't now keep going and doing that move. So a big part of like, you know, debate and a big part of, you know, arguing with people is when you call out their moves. It's kind of like when the girl comes over and she's trying to say mean things to you to get you riled up and you go, what are you doing right now? What, what is this? Where you're, you're saying like the meanest shit you can say. And then she, it's like, it makes it hard for her to then be like, also you have a tiny dick. Cause you've, uh. Because you've sort of called out the moves. And I felt like there was almost none of that on either side. Because it felt like neither of them were like really very present for the whole thing. So all in all, the idea was people said Biden's going to get smoked. You know, that's what a lot of people that anyone that wasn't like super partisan was saying that. And it didn't really happen. He think he went up in the Vegas odds poll, which is like the only poll, in my opinion, that matters for anything. <laughs> because they're the only ones that like, they don't, they don't mess around because they don't want to lose money. They don't have any other interest other than making money. That's why like, you know, the Wall Street Times, like those kind of publications you can almost trust more because they're public. They're like, they're the people that are uh, reading those things care about money. People who are doing the Vegas odds, they're not going to lose money for a political point. So I always try to kind of take a little peek at the Vegas odds. Now, most importantly, everyone's full of shit. The fucking media, these people, the politicians, their whole troops, their whole little gang of, you know, people that are writing this shit for them. They both change their opinions twice in a row. You know, they talk about COVID. First they go, I'm safer. I'm actually safer. More people would have died for you. More people would have died for you. And then they go, he closed the economy down. I closed the economy. He wrecked the economy. And it's like, which is it? Which is it? Are you both safer and you would have closed the economy down less? Because it can't be both. It's like both of them argued the opposite on each point 30 times. 
They're argue and they're arguing over things that have an actual answer. You know, you play golf more. You actually played golf more. I paid uh, this much taxes. Actually, you paid this much taxes. Sign this scientist agreed with me. Actually, this scientist disagreed with me. I care about safety more. And also, I have thirteen hundred and fifty people, thousand people, gazillion people in my crowds. And it was like they did this so much times where you go, these questions have answers. These aren't opinions. And I'm, and you know, I'm sure the left wing people say uh, Trump's lying all the time. And the right wing people say Trump's lying all the time. I think neither of them fucking give a shit. You golfed more. You golfed more. There's an answer to that question. One of them golfed more. Trump, you paid this much. I paid millions. There's an answer to that question. So it's like, instead of news coming out and saying like, hey, we looked into it. Here's the golf. What they'll do is they'll just both do the opposite. And this is what I'm going to do in that video, I think. I, you can find an article that says Trump's lying, his taxes were this. You can say an article that says Trump's... It's whatever you believe on these lies, you get to pick your own reality. That's like what the United States is right now and kind of everywhere else too. You pick, you pick the reality you want to live in and then you can find a million articles that say that and you can find a million articles that say the other side is wrong. I mean, Trump probably made better criticisms you can't control your party, you know, for example, things like that. You know, he's a left, uh, if he's left wing or whatever you want to call him. But they just went back and forth of white supremacy. It's like, you denounce white supremacy, you denounce Antifa or whatever. And I, that was another one where I woke up. I didn't even, I, I was watching that with, you know, a chick who's not fucking, you know, she's like Bernie and shit. When I was, when I was going through this, like that did not cross my mind as anything. And then I woke up and every article was that. So I'm like, okay, if I didn't and she didn't, and then I wake up and every article says the same thing and every person that's a pundit says the same thing. I mean, it feels like you guys move in lockstep together, obviously. You guys move in the exact same way. You said, this is the sentence we're going with. And that's, you know, that's not how I interpret it. And maybe we're both stupid, but I'm sure maybe people like that, that, that like me thought that, but this is what I saw. I saw Trump go, denounce Antifa, and then they go, well, why don't you denounce white supremacy? And he goes, sure, sure. And they go, I'll, yo, tell me what you want me to denounce. And then they go, do you denounce the Proud Boy? He goes, yeah, stand down, whatever, stand up, like, stand down. And then I guess what he said was stand down, stand by. But I did not interpret that as, like, some dog whistle, like, stand by a wink. Uh, no, I won't denounce him. I, I am, I mean, I did not, I just did not see that. That's not the way that I saw that. I saw that as... You know, both of them don't worry, are arguing over who's going to denounce what. You say law and order. I don't want to say law and order. And then Trump, like, basically said, tell me who to denounce. And then, in my mind, what he thought he was doing was denouncing it. And it seems like people didn't like the way he did it. And maybe he was a little soft on it. Maybe. But I didn't see it the way, like, that other people, the entire fucking media apparatus, you know, presented it, which is that this was him refusing to do it. Because that's not what I saw. Now, bangers. There wasn't that many bangers. And like I said, when they come up with the, they, they were saying things like, Art of the Deal, you're more like Art of the Steel. It was like, it was as a comic from 1950s. This is what they come up with. Imagine any other scenario where you're, you know, you're having a debate. Art of the Deal, you're more like Art of the Steel. Oh, it's like, they would have to be like, understood that that was like corny. Like for anyone to say that kind of thing, it's like, okay, haha. But it's like a corny dad joke. Not a, that's not a zinger. And there was a bunch of those. And I thought he responded to that pretty funny when he's like, they ate your lunch, Joe. They ate your lunch. That was probably the, the only two moments I kind of chuckled was that. And then I thought his funniest moment by far. And again, my point is Trump's clearly the funnier candidate. And a lot of what he's had and, you know, why he's able to, like, tear down these people was because he was funny, and I didn't find it that that funny. His biggest banger, in my opinion, was when he said, uh, they were talking about masks. He's like, I'll wear a mask. I mean, I'm not like him. I show up at a thing, and they're 200 meters apart, and he shows up with the biggest mask you've ever seen. <laughs> I was like, now we're talking. You need visuals, right? You've had this visual of Biden like standing near no one with this huge mask on. I was like, there he goes. That's funny. But there wasn't enough of them. So I, I would say that 
if the, if you were to make odds on that thing, it was Trump was going to demo him. And I didn't really see that happening. And because I was out of the audience, I think if you were a normal person that was kind of on the fence and you're not that into politics, you would be watching this being like, I don't really like this guy. <laughs> so that was my synopsis of the debate. But more importantly, people are so fucking predictable. You know, it's like you, you don't get a single original take from the news. You don't get a single accurate diagnosis from the news. Like, imagine you watched any other thing like that. Sports, you know, and you you just sat down, you know, and every post game is like every team just had their own post game that said they won. They didn't criticize. They just, yet yeah, we murdered it. It's absolutely insane. And they have no problem even getting called out on it. So moving on, it's like the same thing happened with the judges. If the judge happened and everyone goes, oh, these people are going to freak out and have a whole conniption. And well, let me, I get, let me guess. You're going to find something wrong with her. 24 hours. They have like 40 things of why this judge potentially is a problem. And they go, they're going out. They go, the handmade tale was actually made about her because she's the worst. And then the handmade tale comes out. Person that wrote the handmade tale comes out. Was, yeah, nah, that's not true. So they just, they have no, they have no integrity. The, the, the entire media, they have no integrity. They'll say whatever they want and they don't fucking give a shit. And they're rewarded for doing so because that's the only way for their stupid articles to go viral. I also thought there was a shout out to James Altucher when he goes, I don't think New York's ever coming back. I go, oh, shout out to J-Dog, eh? The, um... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is how predictable they are. With the Joe Rogan censorship thing, I thought that this was probably the best description of how predictable these fucking people are. And I don't see how you could, you know, the number one thing I do when I make my videos is like, if I start to feel like something is expected of me, it's like I automatically go the other way. That's why when it's like, you know, I had the big woke racist video, it's like immediately I did like this, like the stupid SpongeBob one because I just like, I'm like, I'm going to lean more into being funny. I don't want people to like pigeonhole me and think of me a certain way. And I don't want to start being like owned by any sort of energy or movement or anything like that. And when Joe Rogan does the thing, and then everyone's like, oh, these people are going to censor him. These people are going to censor him. They're going to have a problem. And then immediately, that's exactly what they do. And, you know, this is the thing. These people want to get in the podcasting game because there's big money there. And that's why they're dropping bags of, you know, cash off at his, off at his house because they missed it so much. The podcasting exists because these guys missed like an entire fucking genre of comedy. They tried to rig the game like they always do. It did, you know, the whole reason that, you know, it wasn't, you have people like Biden instead of Bernie Sanders or whatever. It didn't work. And then now they're trying to rig the game again. And you can't trust these people because they can't be trusted. They're too controlled. So, I, you know, and I had my bout with censorship, which of a different kind. I've had a million videos taken down over the years. You know, I, I, when I was like, you know, one of the things when I first moved here, I kind of like blew up on TikTok. And I, I used to get like every third video taken down where I was just like, I don't even want to do this anymore. My whole life, I've constantly been, you know, working in television, getting scripts, t having them taken down. And it's like in, the, in this free area where people like it so much more. It, where you kind of, you make your own thing. Podcasts aren't really get taken down. And it's like one of the only bastions where people are actually free to say the, what the fuck they want. And people love it. And I love it. I like fucking listening to it too. I got it. That's why, you know, when I moved to New York, I got that. I'm like, this is so much better than what's happening right there because people don't like to be fed propaganda. It's just like, even if you know this was kind of combed through, it's like you, the idea that it might be unsafe is gone. When you know that you're watching a movie, you know that the unsafeness is gone. And people fucking like that. They like to know that. That's why they liked Howard Stern, the idea that anything can happen. You know, people don't like watching something that's been combed through first. And I had to take that episode down 
um, two weeks ago. And what happened was I signed a fucking, so this is a little different, but I basically signed a fucking NDA and then I came on here and uh, talked about all this stuff. <laughs> I was so mad, but I'm not going to get too into it, but blah, 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 whatever. I had to take the fucking episode down. But more importantly, uh, the, there was a guy that I was working with and it was going to make his life a living hell. So I could have basically said like, you know, fuck you, go deal with it. If they consume me, they consume me. And then you can lose all your relationship with all these people. But it's like, I kind of brought him into this by exposing his personal relationships or whatever. And the moral of my story here was not, uh, don't say anything. Cause you know, sometimes you might think like, oh, the moral is, oh, I screwed up not to say anything. No, the moral to me was keep your fucking circle small. Don't trust these people. Don't be friends with these people. You know, I, I've seen this. I, I saw the South Park guys talking about this once. Like, you know, we don't go to the Hollywood parties. We're not part of that, you know, Hollywood scene. It's like, yeah, because you can't be. It's like, I can't be, you know, have these like friends in politics, have the, all these friends in Hollywood and then be honest about all this stuff because you're compromised. And it's very difficult for it's very difficult for people to now be friends with them. And I'm that way, too. Like, I do have a fucking humanity. Like, I would feel some sort of ways about being good friends with someone and then coming on and, like, trashing them like we're not friends. So the answer for me was not, by any means, you know, make sure that you're, you know, don't sign fucking NDAs, but the make sure that you, you know, keep it, uh, keep myself censored and don't say this about that and that. No, 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 no. That was not at all my take. My take was not be around these people. You know, be very selective. If someone's like, hey, do you want to go to this like Hollywood party and hang out with all these people and blah, blah. It's like, I don't think I do. I don't think I want to be, you know, brought into this world that can compromise me unless I was doing something different. If I was making a different type of television show, if I was making movies, that'd be this. But not when I'm doing this. If you're trying to live a life where you're being honest about culture and you're tied to all these people, it's very, it's very hard to fucking do. And I would feel the same way if I'm friends with someone, we like hung out, we're drinking beers together. And then I find out on his podcast the next day, he goes, you know, this guy's new show is a fucking worst and he's this and that. I I would be like a little, yo, what the hell, dude? So, I mean, I have my comedian friends and we, I feel like most of these people kind of live in the same world and they're cool and you make fun of them and people have thick skin and you're allowed to be real with them, but it is on the guys of your friends. But I think in terms of politics and culture and all these things, when you see these celebrities hobnobbing with fucking politicians, none of them are to be trusted and none of their opinions are to be trusted. None of their jokes are even to be trusted. As soon as you start you start making jokes about politics, but then you're there's pictures with you with Joe Biden, I can't trust you. You're propaganda now, fam. So Vice wrote an article. Spotify CEO Daniel Elk defended keeping transphobic content from hugely popular podcaster Joe Rogan on the audio platform. You know, see, this is the problem. And they're all, they're they're living in the in-between. And I saw a friggin' Coinbase guy. Coinbased is more like it. He basically came out and he said, we're not going to make political statements. And he kind of said what I've been saying on this podcast. He said, we're not going to make political statements because I think the best companies have a vision that is very, very focused. And that's what it stays. And this is what I've always been saying. It's the freaking girl thing of, you know, uh, make one thing about everything. You know, that's why the government screws everything up. We're going to put a cafeteria in. Ooh, also, we could uh, hire some people with wheelchairs. Also, we should do. Okay, you're doing 10 things at once. Your cafeteria is going to fucking stink. And that's what all these companies do. It's very difficult to be really, really great when you're also being an activist. It's very difficult to be really, really great at anything when you have nine other different things you're trying to you're trying to accomplish. And if, especially if you're like, hey, we're trying to oper- be the best cryptocurrency trading site, which is, you know, living in this insane, weird world where it's kind of legal. It's kind of not. It could get shut down. I said, we're not really sure what's going to happen. Is this worth something? Is it worth nothing? Is it an asset? Is, you know, is it a currency? What is this? There's a lot of problems and there's a lot of people. And this is they're kind of paving the way for what would be the future of any of these sites, of any of these trading apparatuses. And then for them to be like, also, we're going to like fight the fight online about what we think should what we think racial equality looks like, what we think, you know, women in the workplace looks like. We're going to do all those things at the same time. You're going to do none of those things is what's going to happen. So coin based. (laughs) He stood up and he said that or whatever. But Spotify is in this weird situation 
where they're kind of operating in the lines and, you know, their clients are music, musicians and all these people that are using it. And then they're going to also be like, hey, we're, they obviously see this Joe Rogan's on the thing and blah, blah, blah. And they go, we're going to be the free speech place and we're going to put them on there. And first of all, it's so fucking hunk of shit. It's like these episodes were on fucking YouTube. It's like they were fine with Google. Like, but Spotify's now living in the in-between where they're like, Hey, yeah, we definitely care about this stuff, but we care about free speech too. It's like, unfortunately, it's very difficult to take this position. You either are hardline, he can put whatever he wants on his pro- po- on his fucking podcast and we're not getting involved or not. Otherwise, you're having all these meetings with everyone combing through your podcast the way that happened to me that day. And it doesn't feel good. It, it gets in your head. I wouldn't want that if I was Joe Rogan. You know, this idea of a, you feel like you're going to the office. People call in, they're like, we sat there and listened to an hour of you talking and dissected it with a friggin' fine tooth comb. Suck my dick. And they bring you into the office and they're like, hey, me and my friggin' nerds, me and a fucking nerd squad dissected it to make sure that your comments were good enough. We, they fit the thing. And we, we think that some of them are bad. Yes, well, fuck you. People like my podcast. And that's, you know, none of your fucking business what I say. So that's what was going on there. So if this was going to be the case... And they were going to have, you know, this internal model, this internal strife. The CEO should have sat everyone down and been like, hey, we're doing this. These are the episodes and we're not going to be moving forward. We're not going to be having any more meetings about this. You know, this isn't, this isn't, we're going to hire the biggest podcast in the world. Who's doing double the ratings of any fucking tape TV show. We're going to bring him onto our platform. And then we're going to have another meeting every month to make sure that you guys are satisfied. You know, so I... The fact that they're even having this meetings and stuff like that means that, you know, he didn't quite set those rules beforehand because that you need a zero tolerance policy. Because as soon as you say, yeah, we're definitely listening to people's criticisms. Hey, I know that there's hundreds of thousands of hours of this podcast, but we care about what everyone thinks. Too many cooks, too many stupid cooks. You're making a bagel and they're coming in and asking you if the bagel is good for racial equality. That's what these cooks are doing. They have a stupid, dumb Brooklyn chef hat on. Making sure that it has enough sugar because fat is good. (laughs) These are the kind of cooks that you have in your Spotify kitchen. Some staff inside the company feel alienated by Spotify's hosting of the Joe Rogan, of certain episodes of the Joe Rogan experience. Have they not heard it before? Your time to do this was before they bought the podcast. Your time to throw your temper tantrum where they go, hey, we're actually going to buy the Joe Rogan podcast. And then you go, that was your time before they did it. Your time afterwards, you're just causing shit for your company. This was like a huge move that they made. And the fact that they pull it off, it's not even, it's, if this is bad for you, this is a lot worse, a lot worse. You haven't heard it before. And what is a job? What do you think a job is? The fact that these people have this entitlement, you know, everyone knows what makes great art is censoring. That's in the history of the world. Ooh, do people ever love censorship? You want to be the, you want to have the number one podcast on your platform? That's what people, you know, we, we, we know what people want before because we work at Spotify. Have you ever, have you ever had a successful podcast? No. Well then shut up. I hate people having any advice on anything that they've never done before. And you can critique it, but to say what Joe Rogan should be doing it, to say what they should Joe Rogan should be doing and they should take down. Do you know how to run a successful streaming service? Do you know how to run a successful podcast? No, you just know how to get mad. You know how to complain. Be a little 20-year-old baby. I don't know who these people are, but I hate them. Not to mention, it's like just the constant fucking hypocrisy from all these big tech companies. And, you know, run it how you want. But it's like, just Spotify so notorious for like paying artists nothing? You know, Facebook kills people. <laughs> And then, then these companies, to have any sort of moral outrage, you're working at Spotify. You're working at a big fucking tech conglomerate. You don't, you don't get to be part of moral outrage because of naughty words. It's like, shut up. If you have any integrity, go do something that ha- sounds like it has integrity. You want to work at fucking Spotify? You know, big publicly traded company taking big fucking government bailouts while the rest of the world burns. And then you're going to, you know, probably getting a big salary. Then you're going to fucking taking stock options on the inflated stock market for sure. 
you all have, you know, you all have stock in this. You all have all your money in this market that's just inflating while the world burns as well. You don't get to have any sort of moral outrage. Shut up. They said the wrong things. And it's all about the trans stuff. It's always back to their fucking trans stuff. And this is what they do. You make the transphobes. You create them. J.K. Rowling's was one of the number of biggest feminists. She was the number of biggest feminists. And she agreed with you on basically ten out of nine out of ten things that you thought. She'd be like, trans people are people. You know, they were they're born in the wrong body, and that's fine. And then you got ridiculous. You said, uh, the trans people, trans, <laughs> trans women had the same experience growing up as a woman. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? They didn't because they didn't grow up like one. What are you talking about? And then they go, she's a transphobe. And then she starts seeing like, oh, this movement's not about that. This is about control. This has nothing to do with trans people. This is about you making me submit. And you made someone who for all intents and purposes, 99% of probably things, she was your ally. And now you've turned her against you and she's your enemy. Oh, she doesn't think that trans people should be fighting in UFC. That's it. Like that and that they didn't have the same experience as a woman growing up. I saw an article by Vice. It's like, yes, trans women could have periods. And it was just like, okay, you win. You get to have your little club that no one's in and everyone else in the world is a Nazi. It's like you make these people. I saw Lizzo in the fat movement, the fat gross movement. She's posting online. She goes, the fat, you know, the fat gross movement has been co-opted by white, fat white women and they're not even fat enough. And it was just like, you know what? I think everyone, anyone who had anything to do with this movement, like any chick I know that was like, yeah, I'm down with the like body positivity movement. And I'm like, whatever, you're not, but like, I'm not here to, cause you know, in a lot of people's minds, they just think what you're just being nice. And you're like, it's a little more going on than that, but whatever. I'm not here to always, you know, I'm here to talk to people that, you know, kind of, uh, are willing to listen, but I'm not here to argue with people all the time. Spoiler alert. I am, um, <laughs> anyone listen to that podcast is like, okay, sure. But yeah, no, I'm here to argue, but anyone that cared about it, like, yeah, okay. Okay. And then they hear that they go, this fat gross black woman being like, yeah, but, and then, you know, fat gross white women posting it. It's like, yeah, fat gross white women are taking over the fat gross movement and they're not even fat gross enough. And everyone's like, I'm out. <laughs> Good luck with all that, in the words of Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> James Altucher's all. <laughs> Good luck with all of that. I can't. I, that's why it's like, it becomes so funny to me. And then we have to make fun of it. I got no choice. I'm boxed into a corner. Listen, <laughs> you got my, I got my back against the wall. I got to make fun of this stuff. When I see 40 articles about how pegging's natural, I'm obsessed with it now. I, it's the fat stuff. I, I see my friends like that's why Karen Fian, like she's a comic from New York. I see her online. She's she was never arguing about this, but she's always arguing about making fun of fat people online. And she's like, they can't help it. You put you you gave me no choice. My hands are tied. I would love to not make fun of this, but when you have articles online saying the fat gross movement isn't fat and gross enough, I go, what am I supposed to do? Come on, I'm only one man. So that's these people give us no, like, leave me no choice. I, I, the pegging thing, I put it in two videos in a row because I can't let it go. The same reason when I read the articles about the guy with his two, his girlfriend's boyfriend and all that stuff, it's like for a month. I, I woke up two nights ago thinking about the pegging thing again. I, <laughs> I woke up to the idea. Um, well, I'm not woke up, but I was like half sleeping and I was like chuckling to myself. The idea of being like, yeah, I'm a bit of a starfish. Like, like the guy's a bit of a starfish, but like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just a bit of a starfish during sex. I just lie on the bed while she turns me around and pegs me. <laughs> I'm a, but like, it seems like I'm going to, they're both are funny. It's funny being a starfish as a man while the girl fucks you, but it's also being more funny being a starfish while you lay on the bed while she pegs you. That's the twist. But I was like, it's so funny to me. And it's like, I, I, this stuff shoved in my face and my hands are tied. <laughs> I have no choice but to make fun of this. And this all boils down to the masculine feminine thing too. But it's like, they think you shouldn't make fun of things. And men like to make fun of each other and they're hard on each other. And that's like a little bit how men bond. And women bond by, you know, lying to each other, I believe. <laughs> lying and scheming to each other, changing friend groups every minute. I believe that's so, the classical women bonding. But no, 
most of my guy friends, it's like we have a relationship because we have like a dynamic of making fun of each other and who's and com- it's like competitive and you and also almost like you like when you meet a guy who's your adversary like that uh, can keep up where you you know my friends they're the funniest and make fun of me the most are my favorite because I go and it's like oh it's game on huh especially when like the you get the whole boys together and everyone's yelling screaming at each other you're like we're doing this huh and everyone's got something on someone and everyone's trying to deflect. That's fun to me. My friend Paul, one thing I was, and, and nothing, nothing is off limits. We, I always love, my favorite one to make fun of people about is their bad cosigns. Like when you're, that's, you have to be so careful. That, this vulnerable era where it's like everything goes, like I should just tell you that I'm depressed all night long. It's like, oh fuck, this guy's gonna kill himself. We got depresso over here. I like it. Which is again, funnier than Donald Trump saying, you're not smart. You do never use that smart. Like it's, that would be the equivalent of in that context being like, oh yeah, you're, de- are you going to say something to me, mister? You're depressed. You never talk to me like you're depressed. It's just not the way to do it for me. But Paul had his cosigns, you know, and me and my buddy, Chris from, uh, from Toronto, we always, this was like a huge one for us growing up is whenever you introduced someone to the group, like, yo, this is my boy, you know, whether that was from maybe a sport you played outside of school, or maybe that was your college friends. Maybe it was my band friends. Maybe it was the work friends. And you're like, this is my boy. And then that person sucks and you never let them live down the bad cosign. You know, I was the other day, this was someone that uh, my friend co-signed 10 years ago, (laughs) 10 years ago. They were like, yo, this guy's the, you know, the man, blah, blah. He was his friend for a a week. And then, or a year of whatever it was. And then now this guy stinks and I fucking, I watch his Facebook posts of him posting like the lamest ass shit, you know, like stuff like, you know, JK rolling is a problem, whatever it is. And I always t- send the screenshots like, oh, your cosign's acting up again. Get your cosign under control. <laughs> Just anything goes. That's what it's supposed to be. So it's with women. They want everyone to, you know, everyone's got to, you know, that's why the Danny thing, it's like even good things. We'll turn that around and make it bad because we're fun people. So nothing's off limits for them. And they want to rub the fat gross movement getting fatter in my face. Come on. And that's what you do with the trans stuff is they, they, they make me make fun of it and they make girls mad at you. So girls have to leave your movement when they could have been allies and men have no choice but to make fun of this stuff because it's absolutely bonkers. In the case of Joe Rogan, a total of 10 meetings have been held with various groups of individuals to hear their respective concerns. Like, you don't need their fucking concerns. Are you running a company or are you a parent that you let your kids decide everything for you? Motherboard granted them anemone as they weren't authorized to speak to the press about internal Spotify issues. They're so fucking stupid because it's like, first of all, they told on their boss and the boss said to them, <laughs> the boss said to them, hey, if we're going to have this meetings and anyone leaks this to the press, we'll stop having meetings where everyone's involved and they could not help themselves. It's like they're perpetuant children. Don't hire activists, period. You know, that's the only way. It's like if you hire someone that's an activist, make it very clear that this isn't the place for this and maybe this won't be a good fit. And if, 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 it, if that doesn't work, you have to not listen to them. So they're talking about this, like one of the submitted questions by many LGBTQ AI plus ally slash ally <laughs> Spotifyers feel unwelcome and alienated by leadership's response to JR. Don't listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. Was it like, I'm such a Rogan fan. I, you know, I'm a Rogan head, but I, this now I'm alienated by Spotify. Well, too bad. The world doesn't freaking revolve around you. There's a gazillion other podcasts. You listen to NPR till your ears bleed. Go listen to friggin', you know, the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Empowerment Hour for, with 19 listeners. And it can tell you all the things that you need to hear. Maybe this just isn't for you. The, go back to my original thing. People don't like propaganda. And when they know they're listening to something that's been combed over with a fine-tooth comb to make sure it's safe for you, don't don't worry, we made sure it's safe for you. Oh, I'm going to listen to this thing. Hey, have you made sure that it's safe for me yet? I don't want to have to, you know, just listening with your ears very nervously, like, I have to make sure that someone else combs through this for me. Maybe you should hire a service that, that <laughs> maybe you should find a service, maybe you should start a service that listens to podcasts, 
and then bleeps out all the parts that might harm your ears. You know, so you don't have to feel alienated. Just the good parts. You know, when he's talking about elk, I'm sure I'm sure that someone who's offended by this is a big Rogan fan. You know, so you can only listen to the UFC and elk stuff because that's what you love. <laughs> the hunting stuff, you know, just the stuff you like. The hunters out there, there's like, I, I mean, I come in for the hunter stuff. But then they're going to talk about trans people who shouldn't be in the UFC. Why I ought to canceled Spotify. And Joe Rogan isn't even nearly one of the worst ones. You know, there's people saying so much worse stuff than him. And I know sometimes he almost gets shit for that. And it's like, I think that, you know, whatever. Every one of us, you can say a million things. And you know, whatever. Every podcaster, every video guy. There's going to be a million comedians and there's going to, any artist. There's going to be a million people that have a reason why you're good or bad. And I know he's the biggest guy in the world. So you're going to get the most hate and love and all the different things. Right. But I do hold the opinion. I've been saying this for kind of years. I think a lot of people kind of have the idea that he's not, you know, the same reason that them, you know, this is why when you watch the Biden Trump debate, they're like, all have to stand on the fence because they're, they have their viewers where his viewers that are aggressive want him to say more. And as the viewers that are less aggressive, saves less. Like, so, you know, you get this situation where half the people are like, this guy's a cuck. And half the people are like, you know, he's a Nazi. But I think that when you are that big, I think he should get more props for the fact that he brings on the big aggressive people. Because there is something to be said about being the biggest guy in the world. And you bring those people on. If he just came out there and he was like Alex Jones now, instead of bringing Alex Jones on, if he was just like going to say the wildest shit and the wildest shit, I think his influence would dwindle. And the truth is, I'm not saying he has an agenda or anything like that, but I think that in terms of like getting ideas out there, if that matters to you as like a viewer and being able to hear like all different perspectives, having the biggest guy in the world, letting other people let, come on there and say crazy shit of all different all different sorts. I think there's something big to be said about that. And Howard Stern was the other guy who did that. He'd have the, you know, all people with all different perspectives on and they could say whatever crazy shit they want. And then, then sometimes people will go, oh, he didn't challenge them on this. He didn't challenge them on that. It's like, I kind of like that. I mean, I had, I've done interviews where I kind of disagreed with someone. That, and I, I usually say one thing. I got challenged once or twice, but I'm not here to argue. It's like everyone, you know, I might, I can say my perspective the next episode, but I'm, you know, you bring someone on to some degree to say their, you know, perspective. And it's not just to have an argument with people because then they clam up and then they go to talking points. As soon as people clam up, they go to talking points. I think that the best interviewers, you know, and that's what Stern kind of invented. It's the make someone feel real comfortable and that till they let it fly. That's how he got people talking about their dick size and who they fucked and, you know, how much money they have and all that stuff, you know, all the craziest stories they have because he made them feel comfortable and he made them feel like it was awesome. So you go, oh, that's awesome. Oh, I never thought of it that way. So th not that say you have to be completely manipulative, but when you're having a conversation with someone and you want to get them to, you know, say their opinion, right or wrong. I, I like to hear some crazy shit. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of us listen to Alex Jones and you go, I don't know about that, but like, hell yeah, dude, <laughs> like just keep saying it. I like hearing the, you know, the wild people say the wild shit and maybe some of I agree, some of I don't, but I want to hear it all. I don't want it censored for me. And I will say there was a shout out to, I've been noticing when you talk about the trans stuff in the LGBT, LMNOP, FAG community, that was an old joke that I made <laughs> on stage, but... What I did say that sometimes people do it good and sometimes feel bad. And I thought Hollywood's been explicitly bad in the last long time for, for you know, shoehorning in their agendas. I remember watching uh, Ozark. But, okay, I'll tell you the one that I saw. I watched Wretched, and it was okay. And then the, every character was, like, kind of a lesbian, and it was, like, it was very, like, lesbian heavy. And I didn't... Um, I didn't realize that. I didn't even cross my mind until Chick was, like... You know, this is like, uh, oh, there's all the lesbians because she's like a lesbian icon. And it's like this this is like a show for the gays or whatever. And I go, they slipped one by me. And I go, you know what? Respect. I didn't feel, you know, they wanted to say, hey, we're, we're making shows. and Because the truth is, what's one in 35 people are gay or one in, you know, at your house, one in one. <laughs> but so when you have this thing where they're trying to push it and it's like, you're going to have, you know, five gay people out of nine. <laughs> it's like, obviously this agenda, but I never, I didn't see it. I go, Oh, all right. There you go. He slipped one by me. Cause normally I'm like, 
I'm very like, I see what you're up to here. And if the show's good enough, fine. But I don't like it when I see feel like I'm being sold something. And I saw that with, I didn't see that with that. Ozark would be an example where I did feel like I was being sold something. They went to this small town and there's all these like cowboys and the head cop. They're all gay. <laughs> like the, the main cop is gay and then he has a, a relationship with his other gay cop. And then the main cowboy who's like, you know, kidnapping people. And they're the main criminals in town. And then they meet each other, but they just can't resist the sexual tension. And it was just like, yeah, I don't think that's the truth of any scenario where you have like five people. You got like three bad guys and, and three cops and like two of the cops. They're all having orgies every night. And it was just like, okay, I got it. You're, you want all the characters to be gay because you want to be like, it's actually just as normal to being straight to being gay. Like two cops, two gay cops. Like who knows? And you go, it's not even whatever. No one gives a shit if you're gay or not. But it was like. It's pretty obvious what's going on here. It's like if I made a basketball team, I made a movie about a basketball team and the Chicago Bulls and I made everyone Chinese and you'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, nothing wrong with Chinese people playing basketball, but what are you doing? What is this? Uh, yeah, you know, I can think of a hundred examples. You know what I mean? He made a movie about scientists and it's women. <sighs> I got thinking about the lesbian gay thing, which is my third love. <laughs> My first love is fat people right now. I, I literally have to stop myself. I go, no more fat people. Pegging's done for a while. <laughs> and gay stuff. So I was thinking about, you know, why lesbians have fight more and why they have more fights than gay people. And I'm always, you know, because there's way more gay people than lesbians. I'm always trying to tell the difference. And there's all these, you know, arguments about people being who's bi and who's not actual bi. And it's like, I'll tell you why. Why do lesbians move in with each other so quickly? And this is my theory. My theory is that gay guys act more like women and lesbians act more like crazier women. So when you get two crazy women together, what happens is women all kind of want, you know, a guy to sweep them off their feet and be more. And girls are also very in tune with what people want. So if you're with a guy, if a girl's with a guy, and they're like, they kind of want things to move fast. And it's not even that they want things to move fast as much as they want to sort of like be validated. And I'll get to the, what the guy perspective is in a second. But the, the girls kind of like, they want that. They want the guy that's like, oh, I want you so bad. Like, but they also want it to be wanted from them. So when they see the guy being like moving at a certain pace, they kind of intuitively know not to, you know, a lot of them kind of have the idea of, okay, don't push too far because I can see that. They sort of can tell the like tug and pull between how much to push their crazy on a guy <laughs> versus how much he's liking it. When you have two lesbians together, they both want that. So they can they start being crazy and they see the other girl kind of likes it and then they just go blah, 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 blah. So there's no male force to be like, all right, <laughs> take it easy here. But and, and not to say that there isn't. So the guy version is when a guy is like his like, I'm going to take you away, baby. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to save you. And baby, I want to get married. I want to drive away. And but like, so the difference is and why it doesn't and why it doesn't um, go as crazy when it's a guy and a girl is because it has the other version. But to put it in the most uh, the most simplest way that I can explain this, and I'm going to get better at explaining this, but the most simple way that I can explain this is when a guy, when a girl, when a guy is selling a dream to a girl, like, I love you, baby. He's not selling. He's not, it's not about how the girl, it's about a story he's telling himself about himself. So when a guy says, I love you, baby. I want to go to Rome. I'm going to take your room. He's telling a story about himself that I'm the guy that does that. Like, I'm the guy that just fucking picks a girl. I know what I want, and I take it. Like, he's telling himself a story. So it doesn't mean that he's not in love with the girl or whatever. But what it really means is he's telling himself that he, and he likes that. That's the type of person I am that takes what I want. And when lesbians do, and when girls do that, and when they girls get swept up, and, you know, they, they, they get it. Oh, they're telling themselves a story about what it could be, what the life could be. They're like, that's what my life could be. This romance all the time. So they're telling themselves a story about what life could look like. And that's how they get carried away. And guys are telling themselves a story about who they are. And then once they have that, that fades a little bit. When you have two lesbians together, they're telling themselves that story about 
what life could be. And they could tell the other person likes it. And they could tell, and then it goes, they're telling the same story. It goes out of hand. And then they realize it gets to a peak and then they fight. And that's why, that's my theory of why lesbians fight more than gay guys. Tell me what you like. Uh, if you want to, um, if you want to tell me what you think of that story, but just, uh, what you do is I pledge $20 to the Patreon. <laughs> that's, that's how you tell me. That's how you comment. Like it or love it. That's the theory. Okay. Back to finishing up this Rogan article. They're saying, what is your message to employees? Another was, why was Spotify chosen to ignore Spectrum's ERG guidance about transphobic content in the JRE catalog, referring to a group of Spotify workers who focus on related issues? This is the oldest trick in the fucking book. Hey, how about this? How about this, dude? We're not saying you got to take off the podcast. You know, we're not saying it's a problem. We're not saying that you got to stay home because of COVID. How about this? We'll compromise. We'll just put a little committee together and they'll, you know, they'll make what they think and then we can listen to them or not listen to them. And then they come back. It's like that thing that, uh, you know, I saw someone post this the other day, but it was like, um, they've, they put a committee together to decide whether this high school is racist. And it was like, Hmm, I wonder what they'll find. <laughs> they came back like clean, not a single speck. So you put together a team of 20 people to, 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 to decide whether or not there's problems in the podcast. I wonder what they'll find. They're going to come back with a blank sheet of paper. Perfect. It was actually the opposite of problematic. We, we, we couldn't, it was perfect. It's like, you yeah, know, shit. You put together a committee to find problematic things. They find problematic things. And then they go, okay, so now that you found the problematic things, do you have any advice? Oh, mighty committee. And they say, well, we think they should be taken down. Okay. Thanks for your type committee. And then they go and they'd be like, okay, so what are we going to do is like, well, we're just not going to listen to this committee. So this is what they do. They, they make a board or make a, you know, in uh, whether it's a, a website or in the ADL or whatever the hell it is, they make these organizations that they, they, they don't really have any authority. They're like self-appointed authority. And then they try to refer to them. <laughs> and they go, well, they said it's bad. Who the fuck are they? The guy's a, a CEO of Spotify has ears. He can listen to the podcast and decide whether it's he finds it offensive. Yeah, but you're not an expert. You're not on the Spotify offensive board. Shut up. People like the, the idea that like you can't fall for any step of the way either. You got to have your guy. They, they're never in good faith. That's the thing. When these people come at you, they're like, hey, we just want to make sure people's ears are safe. We're very in the business of making people sure people's ears are safe. So if you don't mind, we'll put together a committee together. I, the committee is not going to do any harm. And you go, good idea. Let's get this committee popping. They are in bad faith from the very get go. <laughs> they go. Do we all, don't we all agree that you should treat people with respect? And everyone goes, yeah, okay. And we'll go, okay, we'll make uh, make that, put that in the company policy that we're going to treat people with respect. Guess what we're doing now? We hired a committee of people to decide what respect means. So here's respect. And then here's our list of things that respect means, which means we don't say anything about this person. We don't say anything about this person. And then you're like, it's in our company policy that's respect. And this is our self-appointed definition of respect. You got to be careful with these people. They're very, very crafty. <clears throat> Abigail Schreier, author of the book. This is the person that they were mad about. This uh, person that, you know, said that transitioning babies or whatever isn't good. <laughs> Abigail Schroyer, author of book, author of the book, Irreversible Damage, the Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. Schreier and Rogan spent parts of the episode explaining why young people are being pressured into transitioning by YouTube and other media. Okay. She also described wanting to transition as a contagion. Contagion. I know the word, but I don't know how to pronounce it because I'm stupid. With the potential to infect other children. An entirely scientifically baseless idea, Men's Health noted. I mean, again, this either is or isn't true. Are there more trans people now than there were last year? And the problem is, you can say that, oh no, this is because they were afraid to be trans. And they can say, no, it's because there's social pressure. It's obviously both. Of course, there is social pressure. Like, of course, there 
yeah, of course there's probably some social pressure to be trans. I mean, there's there's people that have come out and said, I'm transitioning back because, you know, I felt social pressure to do it. So there's one. So what, what d- defines social pressure? If one person says it, then there was at least some social pressure for that person. But the problem with any of this stuff is you can't get into debating every joker point because, you know, they pick the one and then, okay, fine, whatever, but the next one. It's like, the answer should be like, if you disagree with me, get your own podcast where you talk about it. Make the trans are great hour. Do whatever you want. He's allowed to say his thing and you're allowed to say your thing. And this is the thing where they go, free speech is this. We can do, you know, you're allowed to say what you want and we're allowed to say what I want. But that's not, this is very different. This is the culture. And then you get in the legal free speech versus, but like we're talking about culture right now, the culture of free speech. And is this company going to have it or not? And this isn't, this is about what people want. And the will of the people is not this. The will of the people is not take down episodes of a podcast that they don't listen to. No one cares. This is a control thing that's about more other things. So as soon as you start being like, well, this trans thing, they're actual numbers, and there's this person, and blah, 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 and they go, well, what about this one? You said this about that people, and you said this about this. And it's like, yeah, I'm doing a podcast. I'm going to do my best. Either take it or don't. But it's obviously more complicated than this. And this is going to be the blueprint for whether or not people can be part of mainstream media and have free speech. And I think that we don't know the answers to that, but this is going to be the blueprint. I'll tell you one thing. There's a lot of big people that are building their own platforms right now on the basis of free speech. And if these big companies want a piece of that action, they're going to have to put their foot down and say, listen, we're not going to tell you what you can do if you're on our platform as a podcast. I understand if it starts being like, hey, we're the Comedy Central podcast. They might be a little different. But if you're going to be Spotify, iTunes, places like this, streaming services that are going to release a three-hour show, you know, three times a week, and you think you're also going to comb through it and make it make make a list of what it's going to happen, you're not going to be in the game. And people are going to, you're not going to, you're not going to attract the big numbers. You're not going to attract the big people. You will attract people that stopped being honest and started stifling their opinions to try to be part of your game. The comedians that their act is dog shit and they book every festival. The comedians that you see on commercials and TV shows, but they suck at comedy. They don't even suck at comedy. It just sucks. You know, you watch them. They can do fine. No one cares. That's what you get. You're going to get a lot of no one cares podcasts and you're going to push them down people's throats. And that's the game that you will have to play. And if you if you want to take people that are speaking honestly and then to make them disappear. Data and data and society researcher Becca Lewis has argued that Rogan giving a platform to these people has led to the audience down more extremist rabbit holes on YouTube. The articles are there's so many stupid things about this, but more importantly, why is your research? okay? this girl wrote a book. She made did a bunch of research. She's a scientist, and she came on and she said, hey, I think that this is a contagion, and I can prove that, and here's my evidence. Why is that research not okay? Listen to the experts. Not those experts. Our experts with the stamp of approval from big tech. Rogan explained a joke they made in 2016 about Caitlyn Jenner's transition, describing Jenner as he and using her nickname Bruce. He also mischaracterized the reason for Jenner's transition. Blah, 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 blah. Saying that the reason was that they were around the daughters, Kylie Jenner and Kendall Jenner, and described being around these crazy bitches, in quotations. Crazy bitches. That was a joke, you dumb idiots. It's like, you can't... (laughs) Vice can't can't also say that, like, in their theory, they can't even say... Okay, it's one thing if you're talking seriously, but it's another thing if you're joking. It's like, if you were trying to push this down people's throats, you might be a little more, you know, you might be a a little more able to change people's opinions if you at least said, okay, well, you can joke about it, but like, if you're having like serious conversations, which I still disagree with, but it would be a little more convincing. Now you're saying no one can joke about it. No one's on board with that. (laughs) Nobody. Do you guys have that in America? We had a company. Who's better than the brick? Nobody. Nobody's on board with you can't joke about it. Once we've made the list of opinions, your jokes 
have to be saying the right thing. No, Joe Rogan doesn't think that Caitlyn Jenner decided to be trans because she was around too many girls. He doesn't think that. It was a joke. And if that's off limits now, yeah, good luck with the campaign. Getting people on board. Wrapping up this article, Rogan said, My only pushback is about trans people competing in females in fighting. Rogan is a UFC commentator and was referring to his longstanding objection to trans women fighting in MMA. Arguing 101. A huge percentage of people agree with that. And this kind of, it all relates to the debating thing with the debates, but it's like, if you're going to make points, you have to, and I don't agree with their stupid ideology, but if you do, move up the ladder slowly. You want to jump to step 10. Step one, it's like gay marriage was legalized in America 10 years ago. And, or whatever it was. And now you would like, you know, people, essentially people to be able to transition into women and fight in the UFC. And no one agrees with that. No one agrees with them, you know, trans people getting the high school scholarships because they're winning every track meet. People don't agree with that. And the only thing preventing it from happening more is there's no money in women's sports. So it's going to be a chicken and egg situation because with more trans people, they'll get better, then there'll be more money. (laughs) And it's going to be a loop. But these people don't know how to argue. It's like I can see even people that like I know that are fucking somewhat woke reading this article and being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And that's kind of the gist of this, you know, give him an inch, take a mile philosophy. But I think I think people are coming around. I've been talking to everyone in the industry and everyone's sick of this stuff. You know, even the fact that my thing's growing so much and in the last little bit and the the. Uh, response from, you know, so many people has been so positive. People like the boys cast. I don't think that I think people like honest comedy and and honest opinions that aren't politicized. You know, it's like I don't I'm not on my team. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I think the friggin boys are sick, you know, but I'm not trying to I'm not trying to sell you some shit other than maybe tickets to my show when stand up comes back up. But I do have one show. I'm going to announce it. I'm coming to Worcester, the Woo Ha Ha Club. October 11th, I'm doing a seven and nine. So, and they're outdoor and whatever. If you're a pussy, you can, you'll be safe. It's socially distanced. <laughs> if your chick does happen to be listening behind you, get rid of her. Thank you for everyone for listening to the podcast. You know, everyone donated to the Patreon, sharing the videos. I'm going to do an uh, episode on the Patreon. This is coming out Friday. I'm going to actually release an episode on the Patreon Saturday or Sunday. So that's kind of cool too. And I'm always releasing these uh, early as if I can. But, I think the censorship thing, I feel somewhat positive about the whole thing. You know, I think that people are so sick of this stuff and whatever happens with the election is going to happen with the election. But I really do feel like the will of the people is stronger than you think. And, I, you know, you guys... I, I've got to see that firsthand in the last little while when everything's been popping off. And, you know, you, you'll you see this thing. It'll be the idea that everyone's like, oh, this guy's bad and everyone will think that. And it's like, that's not what I experience. I experience, you know, a lot of people messaging me every day being like, you know, this is so funny. Thank you. This, uh, you know, I, this like podcast gets me through my day or like this video uh, makes me feel not crazy. I think it's so funny. Me and my friends like just share your stuff around. And I've experienced way more of that. And then there's those venomous people on the internet pushing this nonsense. But they they're they're too crazy. They're too crazy. They're they're you know, they're too crazy. They're losing everyone. And I think we'll see. But I have a feeling that, you know, five years from now, it's just gonna be me and my friends dominating comedy and just making badass shit. And I don't even we might not even have to fight this war anymore. Just making badass funny shit. Middle fingers up to the stupid fucking industry. <laughs> okay, thank you. This has been the Boys Cast. Patreon.com slash the Boys Cast. Peace. Are we on